Hello and welcome to episode 320 of the Ask the Coach show where we answer your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum and as always I'm joined by super coach Alois Rosario. Welcome Alois. Uh, thank you Jeffrey and it is nice to be back on a regular basis doing these Ask the Coach shows. Indeed yeah it's, it's good fun isn't it and especially now we're in, we're in kind of lockdown it's um it gives us a bit of time to do these things indeed and uh yes there there are some benefits but uh as always just hope that everyone out there is doing well keeping themselves safe and uh and managing just the change in the world as we know it right now yeah exactly i mean like you said just yeah the main thing is that everyone stays healthy as they can and yeah we Try and beat this thing all together. Um, and we've been told the best way to do that is by staying home um, wherever possible. So um, have you been doing anything exciting at home? Well, actually, just uh, in this uh, in this time, building a chicken coop and a chicken run. So that's that's been my entertainment for myself. Very nice. I used yeah. to have chickens alloys a long time ago. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yes. and and we're actually using some of your posts and um and gates <laughs> to uh, to to build our chicken run. We just sort of really transported it from yours to ours. Ah, good, good to hear that they're still being used. Now I have a dog scratching at the door. Hold on one second. Sure. What do you think the dog says when he when he knocks on the door? <laughs> Is, is, is this, this a joke oh, of the day? Oh, was, it, oh, was this the joke, was it? Oh, oh, no, I thought it might have been the joke of the day because it's probably... No, no, good... a dog was was actually scratching on the door. Right, right. <laughs> but, but, okay. but Alloys... Yes, Jeff. Last night... Yes, Jeff. I put my car into reverse. Yep. And, you know, whenever I tell that story, it always takes me back. You know, yesterday you actually had the thought of maybe getting your son uh, to come in and tell some jokes, and I think that might actually be a good policy in the future. Okay, yeah, you reckon get him him to tell the joke of the day? Uh, well, to yeah. tell a, a joke would be good. <laughs> okay, there you go. Excellent. All right. Well, um, should we get into some table tennis questions then? Now we've talked about dogs and chickens and cars sure. reversing. Why not? All right, so um, first up, Alois, there is a question here from Mason, who says, I grew up um, by holding his racket kind of like the shake hand grip, but with his thumb on the same side of the paddle as his index finger. And he wanted to know, will this limit me, and should he switch to the normal shake hand grip? Yeah, and I I think... um Whenever someone asks me a question about their grip, I think it's worth trying the conventional grips. Um, you know, the, there are there are different um, ways of holding the bat, but I think the traditional grips of the shake hand and pen hold have sort of developed for a reason um, mm. because it, it allows you to use your wrist a bit better. So the grip that you're talking about, Mason, where you've got the thumb and pointer finger on the same side of the racket – will tend to limit the the use of your wrist, but also you're going to find that now you've got a lot of um, uh, the rubber covered on one side of your, your bat. So it's going to be hard to use that side of your bat and you're basically going to have to use your, well, what's the traditional forehand side of your bat um, to, to play a lot of shots. So um, 
Whereas it's, I mean, it's it's okay, but I would definitely have a go at using the traditional shake hand grip. Um, and we've got a um, a tutorial on uh, get a hold uh, and how to how to hold the bat correctly. So take a look through that. Just see if you can utilize the traditional shake hand grip and give it a go for you know a couple of weeks. Don't sort of uh, try it out for three minutes and say oh no it doesn't work or it doesn't feel any good give yourself a couple of weeks at least where you're using the traditional grip and just see if you can start to um start to feel uh the way that uh, that grip can work for you as i said it'll just help you to use your wrist a bit more it'll also help you to use both sides of your bat a little bit more um and give you a few more options when you're playing yeah, I mean, if you've been using um, a grip for a long time and then you switch, it is going to feel a bit unnatural to start with, isn't it? So you do need that time um, to utilize it. But like you said, Alois, you look at all the top players in the world and there's a there's a reason they're using the traditional grips and it seems like they're probably better. I mean, maybe someone will come along with a different grip, but um, if you're going to just take a bet, you'd say those grips are probably the best. Yeah, for right now. But as I say, you know... Um, Who knows? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Who we, knows? We, I, I, I remember yep. we did uh, we did toy around at one stage with just taking the pointer finger off the, the racket mm. and, and utilising uh, the grip almost like a tennis grip. And, uh, you know, I think maybe down the track, maybe there's something in it. But, you know... Yeah, and, and things do change and evolve, don't they? Like the reverse penhold backhand, like 20 years ago, that wasn't a thing. Correct. Exactly. So uh, yeah, things do change. But anyway, give give the traditional shake hand grip a go, Mason, yeah. and see if you can uh, start to utilise that and see see if it does feel better for you eventually. After and do you a think? Of weeks. Do you think what Mason's talking about is that similar to the similar grip? Yeah, it is. It is a fairly similar to the similar grip. I think similar grip, sort of the pointer fingers more around the side of the racket a bit uh, more. Gotcha. Uh, yep. But um, but yeah, I think it's a similar principle to the similar grip. Yeah. And some people have used that successfully, but not at a high well at a high level back then. But now there's not no one really seems to be using it. it hasn't really caught on, has it? No, no. I think uh, yeah, I, I, and I mean obviously there are a couple of really good players that utilise the C Miller grip. Yes, indeed. Um, but um, but yeah, I think it, it it has its limitations for for just the general player. All right. Well, hopefully, Mason, that answers your question. Uh, so, yeah, give the give the traditional grips a go for a, a period of time and see see if it improves your game. All right. The next question is from David, and he says, "Hi guys. When doing a forehand backspin serve, he's been told to contact the ball at the front edge of the bat. Why would you not contact the ball at the back edge of the bat? Can you please explain?" He says, "Keep going. I love the videos. Thanks, yeah. Dave." Uh, yeah, David. Thanks. Yeah, so this is this is an interesting one for me because um, I I don't know the physics behind it and I don't know exactly why, but I always feel that um, contacting the ball at the front edge of the bat will tend to give you a little bit more bite and a little bit more grip um, and spin on your serve. So um, so yeah, in general, that's that's where I'd like to see you contacting the ball. So um, for the, you know, a pendulum serve, for example, at the front edge of, as the bat comes through, um, and even you know, for later on when you're talking about 
um, strokes as well for the forehand topspin. So as the bat's coming through, you know, contacting the ball more closer to the front edge of the bat than the back edge of the bat uh, to generate more spin on the ball. Yeah. So um, it is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it doesn't, like, if you're thinking about it logically, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. We talk about maybe hitting it further away from the handle and explaining that by that part of the bat might be moving faster if it's moving in a circular motion. Yes. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah, that that further tip. So away from the handle of the bat um, will be moving faster um, on your forehand topspin, even on your serves, because you're you're pivoting basically around your wrist. So then the, the point of the bat that's furthest away from your wrist or from the handle is going to be moving faster. So... Um, if the bat's moving faster, then you're going to it got more capability of generating more spin. Yeah, and we've got a video on that one. But this one, Alois, it is interesting because, you know, everyone seems to agree that that does seem like it's more spin, but I, I just can't understand why because um, someone else posted a comment on this question on the site and saying that if you hit the front, um, as you brush the ball, the ball's on that rubber for longer, whereas if you hit the bat, it doesn't follow through as much, but... I'm not sure that's true because the ball doesn't stay on the bat for that long as it goes through, does it? Yeah, that, that's that's my thought, and and that's sort of the that's that was always the theory behind it. Um, that you know, if you hit it at the front edge, uh, it's on your rubber for longer. But yeah, I think when you actually see the bat, the ball go into the rubber, um, it yeah, it's not it's not contacting the rubber. Um, right across, you know, a couple of centimetres or it's it's probably only a centimetre at the most. So Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Dave, I reckon you should just um, experiment. Just see for yourself. Throw the ball up and see where you hit it and see if, if you feel like you get more spin in one particular part of the rub of the bat than, than the other. I think it's, yeah. Some of these things have, um, are better off you just practicing it and seeing what works for you and and not having to worry too much about exactly if it's just slightly more to the front or slightly more to the back. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, Alois? Yeah, definitely. So I, I think experimentation and feeling it for yourself is the best way to learn uh, these things as well. And that's, that's I guess, my um, learning and understanding of it right now. And that's what I feel, you know, because I just feel like when, when that ball hits the front edge of my bat, I, um, I'm generating more spin than when it's hitting the back edge of my bat. Hmm. All right. Great question, Dave. So, yeah, um, keep experimenting and, and keep asking those questions. Good to see you thinking about these things. All right. Next up is a question from uh, Fabian who says, can you please give me tips on how to improve the level of a junior squad? So Fabian's got a squad consisting of eight juniors at different levels and different ages. So he wants to, um, you know, get them all to improve, you know, in a time frame of like six to 12 months. So do you have any tips on improving a, a junior squad, Alois? Yeah, so Fabian, um, this, is a, this is a really big one, I think, for, for those of you that are, that are maybe dabbling in some coaching or, you know, just thinking about um, the younger players in your club um, and seeing how you can get them to improve. Um, I think you know the couple of couple of things that are basic to this, and that is that you need to firstly, firstly the kids have to have fun. The kids have to be enjoying the environment that they're training in, um, because if they don't, in six months' time you're not going to have them. So then, 
all your all your great plans don't matter anyway because um, they're not going to be there. Yeah, okay. It's, it's a really good point and often sort of overlooked, isn't it? Um, because, yeah. yeah, sometimes people are like, oh, well, if you're not doing this, you're not going to improve. But if they're not playing, <laughs> they're not going to yeah. improve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's, you know, just finding some key focus areas for, for each of the players um, in that in that group, you know, what are you really trying to improve with them? Treat them more as individuals as well. So don't think about them, uh, you know, just being a group and just, um, you know, uh, reeling out a whole heap of exercises or drills that um, that they're all doing. They've all got their own little um, things that they need to work on specifically for themselves. They've all got things that um, they have more interest in as well. And again, you know, it's that it's that holding their interest and keeping their interest over that period of time that is going to keep them playing and keep them improving. So um, set, set, some, set some goals for them, set some um, ideas of what they want to improve over the next period, you know, whether that's a one-month period or a two- or three-month period. Um, for you, you're talking about a six-month period. But um, set some goals and um, and start to get them to work towards those goals over that six months, but but make them really specific about what they're trying to improve. So each time they come to training, you know they've got these series of things that they're working on, and you can just spend some time with them um, on those on those goals as well. I think that's that's really important. Um, the the other important things I think is just trying to engage other players. Um, some of the higher level players as well mm. um, in your training, if you if you possibly can, you know, getting them there just to help out with the training, or just be just being role models for them as well. So you know, even if they're training alongside your squad, um, if it's on the next table, that can r- have a really big influence. But then, if if some of those players can also you know take some time just to hit with your junior players for a little while. Um, it's it's amazing how much the the younger kids appreciate that um, that input and they look up to those better players and and you know just just seeing um, seeing their better skills is a really good way for them to learn as well. So apart from you know experiencing experiencing it for themselves, it's also them seeing that higher level of what they can do um, and getting some good pictures in their heads um, is something that will really help their development. Yeah, yeah, some great suggestions there. And I'd just like to say to Fabian, like, well done on on taking this step. Like, it's so important to have people around a table tennis club that are willing to kind of take the squad and take on that role of coach and help people improve. So, you know, it's, it's really, really good to see him taking that step. Yeah, so Fabian's uh, someone I've worked with a little bit before, and um, yeah, he's a, he's a good thinker, and, and he's really um, passionate about improving uh, the juniors at his club, which is fantastic down at the Geelong Table Tennis Club, which happens to be where they have the Australian Open each year down in Geelong. Um, so uh, yeah, so Fabian, you've uh, you've certainly on the right track, and um, and you know, then on that point of, you know, you're, you're lucky, I guess, because you've got the Australian Open. Um, event, um, you know, close by in Geelong, um, you know, making sure that those players are getting to those events and watching those best players um, in the world, um, you know, firsthand. For for those of you out there that don't have the luxury of that, 
um, you know, get them to perhaps watch some of the better players on um, on TV or on um, on YouTube and just um, get them to watch some of the, the better skills as well. Yeah, excellent. Great ideas. All right. Uh, next question is from Stephen who says, Hello, Ping Skills. I've been into ping pong and I want to play other people besides my family. Could you please tell me a good club to join? Thank you. Yes, Stephen. Well, firstly, let me say that your idea of joining a club is perfect because that's that's something that I think is a really important step for all of us to move from just playing your friends and your family or, you know, pe- people at work. Um, I think it's really important that you try to uh, reach out, branch out and start to play in a club situation. And, you know, I, I think Jeff is probably one of the best um, examples of this. Jeff, do you want to just share your experiences a bit with uh, with how you started? Yeah, yeah. So I started playing just at school with my friends. And, um, yeah, one of my friends said, why don't we go down and, and visit the table tennis club? So that's what we did. We went down. They had like this handicap competition where um, when you played someone, you'd get a head start if the player you were playing was better than you or um, you'd give a head start if you were better. Um, and so, so in theory, it would be like a 50-50 match because um, you would balance out the score. And the first time I ever went there, I played um, this guy and I started on 27. It was a game up to 31 and he was on like minus 10 or something like this and he beat me easily. I think I only got two points for the whole match. But just seeing that, you know, you're thinking, wow, there's all these different skills that I could develop and get better. And so we just kept going to the table tennis club and it just exposes you to, yeah, better players, different styles and you know really provides an opportunity for you to get better yes indeed and i think that's a really good um uh, a really good example of um of what a club can do um often often um ping skillers write into me and say um oh well i'm thinking about uh just trying to get better so i can join a club mm, um and yeah. i and i yeah and no, it's not yeah. really the right way to go about it, is it? You you get better when you join the club. <laughs> yes. Yeah, indeed. And, so and think, clubs yeah. like to have new people come in and they're not expecting you to be anything. Like, you, you can just turn up and there'll be plenty of people like you and but there'll be plenty of people better than you as well. Um, but that's just part of it. Yeah, so I think I think that's that's really good uh, advice there, Jeff. You know, so, so get down there when you're starting out, you know, because that's the best time to, to see the better players. You'll also find that in a lot of occasions that, um, you know, there's someone there at the club to help you with your skills as well. So there might be a coach or just one of the better players there that can just help you, um, to learn some of the basics, you know, to just to be able to hit the ball back to you more consistently so you can learn, uh, some of the basics. And then, you know, you using that in uh, conjunction with the ping skills website, um, I think is a really good um, recipe for quick improvement when you're starting out. Yeah, and I think because table tennis is a game of spin, um, and when you're at a club, the the players that have been there for a long time know this and they know how to generate spin, so you're exposed to a, a completely different style of play 
than if you're just playing at home with people that have never been to a club because they tend to have old rackets that don't generate much spin and the game is really different once you once you introduce, you introduce spin into it. Yep, indeed. And I guess the, the, the final point then for Stephen is then how do you find that club? Um, often um, the national association or if you've got a state or, you know, a, a county or territory um, association, then they'll, they will have a list of clubs um, within that country or state or whatever it is. Um, so you can look that up. If you're, if you're having problems, just uh, send us a question on the Ask the Coach page, uh, but specify which country you're in and, and then I'll be able to help you or might be able to help you to just locate something closer to you. And it may, it may be that you need to travel a little bit to start off with, but even if you can get to a club, you know, once a week or once a month or whatever it is, um, you'll find that that will be beneficial. You know, if you if you do need to travel some distances, um, yeah, that that's uh, it's well worth it. And of course, at this time, it's probably not the ideal time to be talking about joining a club, but now's a good time to research uh, and uh, and start to. Um, start to get some information about where you might be able to join and make contact with them. Um, you know, ask them what they have available, ask them, um, you know, the services, whether they've got a competition or some coaching or some social days or nights that you can come down and play once they get back into action as well. Yep. Yep. Indeed. So like you said, Alois, um, with the, with the restrictions in most countries at the moment, I think, Probably all clubs, or if not all, most will be shut down at the moment. Um, and on that note, um, we are having a bit of a, a competition, which we announced in the previous podcast, to try and help people, you know, keep uh, excited and keep their skills up. Yes, indeed. So we've got a competition where you've got to uh, post a video of yourself bouncing the ball on the edge of your racket as many times as you possibly can and so the winner is going to be the person that sends us the video with the highest number of bounces consecutively on the edge of your racket Um, sounds tough it it is it is very tough so uh i I better get some practice in over the next uh month or so before entries close i might put an entry in myself i might just put a mask on and jeff won't know the difference um (laughs) So um, yeah, yeah. So what can they win, Alloys? Uh, so the the uh, winner gets a, a yearly subscription to uh, to Ping Skills Premium Membership, um, and the second place getter gets a one month uh, subscription to uh, Ping Skills um, Premium Membership. So uh, sounds so good. And and yeah. what's the deadline? Yeah. So the end of April, so the thirtieth of April. So you've got one month. To, uh, to hone those skills. You've got a bit of time to practice. So, you know, don't send us a video um, uh, straight up. You know, just get a bit of practice in, see what you can get up to. But uh, once you've done your practice and you've done your video, you can post it on our Facebook page or post it to YouTube and send it uh, send us the link as well. Yeah, and maybe just hashtag Ping Skills Challenge on there so we can find it. But, yeah, let us know about it. And yeah, and you know, maybe just get a video up there. You could be the the one in the lead if you get a good number of bounces in a row yeah. on the edge. Yes, and we will be publicising the early leaders. So uh, yes, get uh, get your videos in, and yeah, you can put in as many many videos as you want. So you know, um, keep trying. Yeah, put one in early. Exactly, and, uh, and you could win that yearly premium membership. So 
Remember, yeah. the premium membership, that gives you access to all our online videos. So you've got our 52-week training plan, um, all the serving secrets ones, uh, all the things about tactics, sports psychology, lots of good stuff. Plus, um, you can send us a video, which... Um, uh, Alloys, you've worked with quite a few people and, and had some improvements through this video analysis service as well. Yeah, that's right. So uh, so players, premium members send me a video of themselves playing. Um, I can analyze it for you and uh, and just give you some tips as to it might be something tactical, it might be something technical that you can work on and improve over over time. And then uh, then often uh, they uh, players will send me a, a follow-up video um, and then we can just look at you know where those improvements have been and and other areas that we can work on with you to improve your game. So I think that's that's a that's a good personal service that um, that the premium members have um, that uh, that you can really utilise to to up up the level of your of your game. Yeah, there you go. All right, now Alois, just to wrap up, I thought I'd just share a couple of OMG facts again. Well, these are better than jokes, I have to admit. <laughs> All right. Combined, American children spend 6.3 billion hours a year colouring with crayons. <gasps> amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. 6.3, what? 6.3 million? Billion. 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 Hours a year colouring with crayons. Wow. And. Must, must be good for you. In the average lifetime. A person will walk the equivalent of five times around the equator. Wow. That is a good one. That's a lot of walking, isn't it? Ah. Wow. That is good. All right. Last one. I can't help myself. Ready? Go on. The colour green used to be considered unlucky in Ireland since it was associated with fairies who stole children and brides. Oh, really? (laughs) Apparently. That's what this calendar says. But but now green's the colour for Ireland, right? Yeah, that's, that's their that's their favourite. St Patrick's Day and all that. Yeah, which which was only a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. So oh, well, they 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 are interesting facts. Hopefully yeah, they're all hopefully they're correct. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it's just a <laughs> just a calendar I've got. It says OMG facts, but I've got no evidence that they're true. But well, it says fact. So. It says fact. How can it not be a fact? That's right. Exactly. Surely the yes. people that made this calendar are actually... Yeah. And oh. you know why that... Because that, I'm a little behind in my calendar. So that was, that one about the colour green was yep. on Tuesday, from Tuesday the 17th of March, which was oh. St. Patrick's Day. Patrick's Day. Ah, there you go. See? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. The, 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 maybe we can just... I mean, I know it would be a big call but maybe we could get rid of the joke of the day what <laughs> no no people love it alloys i don't know what you're talking about the jokes are Which funny can, can i have heaps of feedback I... saying how good they are and how you know can, lifts can, their day you know so you can't take that away from the people can i have can i have names and uh contacts of uh, <laughs> these, these these people these so-called people <laughs> oh dear yeah. yeah one of them was called jeff <laughs> yeah. And the other one was called Jeff. <laughs> and the other one was called Jeff's mum. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. Uh, very good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap. Well, almost. Oh. I think yeah, we also need to let uh, everyone know that um 
We've now reached 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. So I, I remember we were pretty excited when we got to 100,000 and we got a silver play button. Oh, yes. That was very impressive, wasn't it? Well, yes, we had no idea about No, I didn't what, know what either. It was, but, <laughs> but, but it was very impressive. Um, yes. Yes. But, but yeah, you yeah, know, we're up to- since that time, yeah. Alice, you know, I've did my teaching degree and now I'm teaching at a school and all the kids, you know, they, they're like, they found out I've been to the Olympics and that's kind of impressive. <laughs> but the fact that I've got a silver play button on YouTube is like unbelievably impressive. They just think really? it's the greatest so thing since sliced bread. That's better than going to the Olympics, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently. So there you go. So anyway, we're, we're now we're now double that. Do we get another silver play button? No, no. I think you got to get to a million, and then a million. You get some other thing. Yeah. So that must right. be it. that should be our aim now, Alice, to get to a million. Sure. Okay, come on, folks, go and get your friends and get them Tell all. Tell everyone to, to subscribe. Exactly. Yeah. We want. We want a. a, a what, what what color do we get? I forget what it is. I think it's a platinum or something. Um, one, let's see if I can get surely, one. Surely there's got to be gold before platinum. Subscribers, YouTube. What do you get? Here we I, go. I, um, yeah. I don't know. So, so we're, we're currently on 200,000, but we get nothing, right? So, no, no, you, you get know. nothing for that. Um, no. what, but, what play button? I don't know. Yeah, see, we, we're not up to date with all this stuff. No, no. But someone, someone will let us know. Surely. Yeah, exactly. YouTube Creator Awards. Here we go. Um, yeah. You get a graphite if you surpass 100 subscribers. I don't think you actually get anything. Opal for 1,000. Bronze for 10,000. Then you get awards. Here we go. The Silver Creator Award when you get 100,000. The right. Gold Creator when you pass 1 million. All the right. Diamond when you surpass 10 million. And then you get yeah. a Custom Creator Award when you surpass 50 million subscribers. 50 million. We're, we're not quite there yet. So right. Pew, PewDiePie was the first YouTuber to achieve 50 million on December 18, 2016. Right. And he received a custom play button, which he nicknamed the Ruby Play Button. There you go. All there right. You go. So let's aim for a million anyway, Jeff. So uh, yeah, folks out there, just go and get your friends and just tell them about the joys of ping skills and, um, and get them to sign up. Sounds All like right. a plan. <laughs> okay, folks. All right. I think we I think we bored you enough with that stuff. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening all the way to the end of the show. If you did, and hopefully um, you'll keep listening, and we'll see you well, next next well, episode. They, well, they did because they're listening to you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's just blown my mind. It has, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm like that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye, everyone. Catch you next Bye. time. <laughs>